Would you pray with me this morning as we look to God's word today? We want to hear from him this morning. Thank you, Lord. Father, we do thank you, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that you are present in this room. God, we thank you for the promises of your word that you will never leave us or forsake us. That, God, you are with us. That greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That, God, we can be confident today, Lord, that you are here. Lord, your word says that wherever two or three are gathered for the purposes of you and in your name, you're there with them. So today we ask, Holy Spirit, that you right now would begin to open and soften our hearts to the things of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to speak through the Word of God to our hearts this morning. That God, we would catch everything you would want for us today, that we would have receptive and very well-tilled hearts for the seed of your Word, that it would have a great harvest, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Throughout Scripture, we see that when a person comes in contact with Jesus Christ, their life is drastically different from that point forward. How many know that to be true in your personal life today? Amen. I know that uh, there are many people whose lives in this room have been transformed by Jesus. There are many examples that come to mind in Scripture right away. I think of the woman at the well that uh, when she met Jesus, her life was radically transformed. I think of the demoniac who was living in the tombs and his life was absolutely dilapidated and when he came face to face with Jesus Christ, his life was immediately transformed. I think of the Pharisee Nicodemus who came to Jesus at night and Jesus, sharing with one man, shared this scripture with him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Many times we think of that scripture as being something that Jesus preached, but it was actually one man that came and talked to Jesus at night alone, and that was shared with him. And his life was changed. A blind man named Bartimaeus called out to Jesus on a road. Jesus touched his eyes, and he was never the same. All of the disciples that came in contact with Jesus his teaching, his lifestyle, the things that he shared, ultimately watching him as a friend go to the cross on their behalf were changed. Even an enemy of Jesus Christ who was going around killing Christians when came face to face with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Saul on the road met Jesus and his life was so drastically changed they had to give him a new name. His name was Paul, and he had to write. He wrote a good portion of the New Testament that we read today. I know modern-day examples today of people that uh, their lives have been changed in the same manner. This room is full this morning of transformation stories when Jesus, when people came to know Jesus in a personal way, that their lives were incredibly changed. Now, denominations as well as individuals argue at times what the local church's mission should be, what really we should be doing as a corporate body together. 
What should be the focus? And churches build grand mission statements of purpose and vision, and I'm all for that. I think it's important. I believe that church bodies need direction and a target in which they can point the ship at. But before the local church became a professionally organized, uh, or became professionally organized, the mission of the church was pretty simple. Here at Wofford City Assembly of God, we try and keep it as simple as possible. So I'm just a simple kind of guy. And I just really believe that the mission of our church locally here at Wofford City, the purpose that God has placed Watford City Assembly of God in this region is four words. It's to reach more people. And that's really to see people come to know Jesus Christ, to see people's lives intersect with Jesus in the same way that all of the people that we've talked about already this morning from Scripture and many of your lives have intersected with Jesus. Our ultimate goal is simply to introduce someone to Jesus Christ. Because when their life is introduced to Jesus Christ, it is never the same again. In fact, there's a true story about someone who introduced uh, someone else to Jesus Christ. It's found in John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. If you want to take your Bibles and turn with me there this morning, the Gospel of John chapter 1. What's happening around these verses here is we see that prior to these verses, Jesus is going around and he is calling his disciples or different men to come and and get to know him. And as he's calling them and and talking to them, uh, their lives are being touched and changed. And there's a gentleman here, his name is Philip, that meets Jesus and he does something interesting. And we're going to want to look at that. So in John chapter 1, verses 43 and 44, let's start there. It reads this way. I'm reading from the NIV this morning, New International Version. It says this, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Jesus runs across this guy named Philip here. Jesus invites Philip. He says, follow me. And this is the beginning of the relationship. And as Philip has only spent like 24 hours with Jesus, he knows that this guy is is radically different than anyone he has ever met in his entire life. In fact, there's something about Jesus that so draws him, that so penetrates his heart, that he comes to the understanding that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the Son of God. And in this short time period, he comes to this understanding, the sent one, the deliverer, Jesus. So Philip is spending this time with Jesus for a day or so. We don't know the exact time frame. But in verse 45, as we read on, it says this, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Philip finds his friend and tells him about Jesus. He says, listen, I have found the one that we have been waiting for hundreds of years, thousands of years, waiting for this moment right now, and I found him. This wasn't something that Philip did every day. This wasn't something that he would go and find Nathaniel every few months ago. I think I found the Messiah. And this is a big deal. And he runs and he finds Nathaniel and he says, I found the one, I found him. God was working in these circumstances. This guy named Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. 
Back in Jesus' day, they didn't have last names, so you had to distinguish certain individuals with their father's name. So they would say, Jesus, son of Joseph, or Sheldon, son of Owen, instead of having a last name. So that they could distinguish all of these people. And, and, and Jesus, where he, his region was, was from Nazareth, so that they could kind of connect who these people were. And Philip was was obviously very excited about meeting Jesus, sensing God drawing him and the growth in their relationship and him excited to tell Nathaniel about all that he had learned in the short time period of knowing Jesus. But Nathaniel's response is a little bit odd. He goes on to say this in verse 46 when Philip says, I found him, I found him the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. Nathaniel says this. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Come and see, Philip said. Here we see that Nazareth was a place that Nathaniel said, Nazareth? This doesn't make any sense. The Messiah isn't going to come out of Nazareth. What are you talking about? Nazareth, in that day, he was discounted because Nazareth, Nazareth was known as a Roman route. There was a lot of Roman uh, uh, oversight or, or oppression in that city, and there was drunkenness and brothels, and it was really a negative city. And, and as well as that, Nathaniel, many believe, was a scholar of the Word, and he studied the Word and said, listen, there's nothing in the Bible that says that Nazareth, anything good is supposed to come out of Nazareth. What are you worried about? But Philip says something that's very interesting. Philip makes a statement that I don't want you to miss, and if you're going to catch one thing this morning, I want you to catch these three words from Scripture. When Nathaniel put up his defenses and said, listen, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing good coming out of Nazareth. Why should I even go and look at the Messiah? There are three simple words that Philip said to him. Can you say them with me? Come and see. Come and see. That's all he said. Why didn't he just use all of the apologetics that he had learned so he could decipher all of these things and say, listen, he simply said, come and see. Come and see the fact that this man is the Messiah. Come and see. Because once you come in relationship with this man, you know, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that your life is going to be changed and it's going to be transformed. Just simply come and see for yourself. So Nathaniel decides to come. So they're walking together, him and Philip. And as they're coming up to Jesus, Jesus sees Nathaniel far off, reading verses 47 and 48. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Jesus says, this is a true Israelite. There's no deceit in him. Basically what that meant in the Greek words that Jesus was using there is is that he's not a phony. He's a true person. What you see on the outside is what you see on the inside. he's, He's transparent. There's no deceit found inside of him. He's a true man of God. And then Nathaniel answers, how do you know me? Now Nathaniel wasn't boastfully saying like, oh yeah, I know that. I know I'm good. But he was saying, it looked as if Jesus was peering right into his heart. 
It was like when Nathaniel walked up to Jesus in that moment, Jesus said something that was just absolutely amazing, and his heart was laid bare. And Nathaniel said, how do you know me? How is that even possible? And then Jesus, through a word of knowledge by the Holy Spirit, says to him, know you? I've had my eye on you for quite some time. I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you when you were, before Philip even came and talked to you. And then Nathaniel, he is just absolutely blown away. In verse 49, then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This is awesome here. Philip spends 24 hours. Most of the time, Jesus can break down people's walls in a matter of seconds. I mean, he just says a few things and boom. It's like, a, like an atomic bomb that goes off inside of people. Nathaniel, he's pretty tough. Philip spends 24 hours with him. He comes over, and Nathaniel's got this wall up. Nathaniel, Jesus breaks this guy down in two sentences. It's just, oh, man. And Nathaniel says right away, he was skeptical. He was like, I don't know about this. But, he, but Philip just said, come and see. Just come see. And when Nathaniel came and met Jesus face to face, his heart was unveiled and Jesus pierced him. And Nathaniel declared in front of everyone, Rabbi, teacher, he says, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus, I believe that you are the Messiah, the sent one of God the one that we have been waiting for. And Nathaniel's life was changed forever from this point forward. But then Jesus says something in verse 50. He said, you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. He says, you'll see greater things than these or things than that. Then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Nathaniel, this is just only the beginning. You'll see more incredible things if you follow me. You will see my glory in action. You will see miracles. You will see lives transformed. You will see incredible things. Jesus is basically saying here, he says, you're going to see the angels ascending and descending. He's saying, listen, you've got to understand, Nathaniel, you're going to see the fact that I am the mediator. I am the staircase between a holy God and a sinful man. You're going to see me go to the cross and die for all mankind. Listen, great things are you going to see than simply me saying, I saw you under the fig tree? You're going to see a lot more incredible things than that. Jesus was saying, I'm the one that connects God and man. When Nathaniel encounters Jesus, his life is transformed forever. In fact, Nathaniel is believed that in other gospels, he is actually named Bartholomew. His surname is Bartholomew and his given name is Nathaniel. Philip and Bartholomew and the other scriptures are always together. Bartholomew, he has a ministry. Church history tells us that he goes to Saudi Arabia and Persia and Armenia where he is a martyr for Jesus Christ, where he actually was skinned alive and crucified by people for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to this day, the Armenian church is founded upon the gospel of Jesus Christ through the declaration of Bartholomew, this man, Nathaniel. 
that Jesus said, greater things you're going to see. Once you meet Jesus, your life is really never the same. But guys, what you have to understand is that if we look back at Nathaniel's life when he's sitting under the fig tree, we don't know whether he, many scholars believe that he was possibly studying scripture, that he was praying, whether he was resting to get out of the hot sun that day. But when Philip comes up and says, listen, man, I found him. I found him. His name is Jesus. And Nathaniel is not really sold out. But the three words that Philip shares with him changes the trajectory of his entire life and the eternities of hundreds, if not thousands of people. And he simply says three words, come and see. Just come and see. Guys, I believe that the message that God has for us is three words. It's come and see. It's maybe not for you personally here in this room, but maybe it is. That Jesus is waiting and longing for a relationship with you, and he is calling out, just simply saying, come and see. Just come and see. Come and see if your life won't be changed and transformed. You see, many times, guys, I think that the evangelical and the Pentecostal church, uh, churches especially in America, have made sharing the good news into a formula of some kind, that, that we've tried to professionalize this, that it's a formula, that it's an art in which only certain individuals, you need the gift of evangelism just to tell someone about Jesus. And many times people say, man, they make excuses. They say, I don't know enough about the Bible. I don't know the answers that people are going to ask. I don't really know. Listen, the biblical understanding to me of Scripture today is the fact that Philip didn't know everything. He just knew that Jesus had touched his life, and he knew that he could, Jesus could change somebody else's. And he just said, come and see. Come and see. That's what you need to know. Come and see. Come and see that Jesus couldn't transform your life. Come and see. But what would happen if we began, much like Philip, in telling other people, just come and see. Come and experience Jesus Christ for yourself. Like we talked about, guys, we want people to come to know Christ. But here's what we understand or we need to understand about Philip's story that applies to our life today is that when we see that maybe God has laid someone on your heart to share with, to share Jesus with, or talk to them about Jesus, or talk to them about spiritual things, maybe God has laid someone on your heart, and you know what, in the story we see that Philip, God had kind of laid on his heart to go and tell Nathaniel, and the thing that we have to understand is that many times when God is speaking to our heart, it's not the only heart he's speaking to. Many times, he's speaking to the other person's heart simultaneously at the same time. And when we're disobedient to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and go to that person in that moment, we might be missing a great opportunity where their heart is open to the things of God. So we need to be very obedient in those moments when the Holy Spirit begins to speak and say, go talk to Sally today. Why don't you call your sister this morning? Why don't you go and and write an email to so-and-so? Why don't you talk to your employer this morning about Jesus? And in those moments when God speaks to your heart, I believe that not only God is speaking to your heart, but he is speaking to the other person's heart at the same time. And we need to be willing to be obedient. You see, God is continually drawing people to himself 
Many times we just need to have the willingness to stop and say, come and see. This tiny phrase is very powerful. Because when we, come, when we ask people to come and see, there's two things that are happening here. Come is the first one. Come is basically when we're asking someone if they're ready to move from where they're at with God to a different place. If they're willing to open their heart to what God is doing when God is drawing them. And then see is, are you willing to experience Jesus Christ personally? Because guys, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ transforms people's lives, if we truly believe that Jesus can transform any heart, any life, if we believe that Saul can become Paul, that ruined can become restored, that worthless can become worthy, that shameful can become beautiful, and that lost can become found, then all we simply need to do is the fact that if we believe that Jesus Christ transforms people's lives in an instant, then all we need to do is introduce them to Jesus. Come and see. Come and see. Guys, I want us to be very clear this morning that if we as the local church are just inviting people to Bible studies or we're just inviting people to church and we're never introducing them to Jesus, we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. Our focus truly should be to reach more people to introduce people to Jesus Christ. But the local church is a tool that we use. Groups of believers and people that can reach out to others, where people can come and sense the presence of God as we're meeting here together. But let's not confuse come and see with come to church. Because we truly want to see people's lives introduced, not just to our friends, but to the greatest friend that we all have, Jesus Christ. You see, guys, this morning, I'm not sure, but I would beg to guess that there are quite a few people in this room that you can think of the individual today who introduced you to Jesus. Is there one person specifically that maybe talked to you about Jesus. I know that some of us, and, and uh, I, I remember that there was a, there was a preacher that, that was speaking, and, and I came forward and accepted Jesus Christ that day. But many of you, how many would say with a raised hand today, I'm not going to call you out or anything, you know right now who the person was that introduced you to Jesus? Yeah, lots of hands. Lots of hands. You know, guys, I think that... Um, Someday, all of us will be sitting in a box in front of a church just like this. We're going to be laying there. We won't have another word to utter. We won't have another opportunity to say another thing. The only testimony we'll have at that moment is what we have done with the life that we have. At that moment, it is done. The dash is complete. 1977, 2099. Well, not quite, but I didn't want to say a number there. I was kind of freaking myself out for a second. But we're, we're all sitting in the box. 
In that moment, guys, the last thing I want anyone in the room to say is he was a nice guy. I've heard that so many times at funerals, it just makes me sick. It's sad that the only thing that anyone would grasp from a person's life is that he was a nice guy. That they could pat someone on the back and say, oh, he was such a nice guy. He was such a nice person. Do you know what I want people to say about me when I'm in the box? I want them to say one thing. I want them to say, he introduced me to Jesus. That's what I want them to say in that moment. Isn't that a life worth living? Isn't that what life would be about? That that, that that person right there, they're so special to my life, not because they were a nice guy or because they treated me this way or that. They simply introduced me to Jesus. The most incredible and critical choice that I made in my entire lifetime. And it may have been as simple as saying, come and see. Come and see. Just come and see that Jesus couldn't transform your life the way he has transformed mine. Just come and see. So this is what I want us to do today, looking at God's word, guys, if we can just focus on an action plan. This is what I'd like us to do. Every person in this room, if every person in this room did this this week, this would transform our church. Literally, in one week, just like that. This is what I'd ask that you would do. I believe that God is asking this of each of us. That, it, that you would ask God this week, Lord, in the next seven days, would you lay someone on my heart that you are preparing in advance for me to go to them and open a conversation so I can introduce them to you. That if every person in this room was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, that each of us would say, God, would you open my heart and that I could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit with such clarity that I would understand one person that I could talk to in the next seven days, that their heart would be ready and receptive, that they would want to come and see So this morning, guys, I want to ask you to to be proactive. Don't be hesitant. Don't don't think of Jesus as some weird force. Think of Jesus as a person. Like I would introduce someone to someone else in this room that I would take you and have them shake their hand and say, this is so-and-so. I'd like you to meet them. If we think of Jesus in that way, it's a whole lot easier Philip had good news, the good news that Jesus had so changed his life. And at that point, he went and told Nathaniel. And Nathaniel, even with the walls put up, Philip just said, come and see. So this is what I'd like you to do. Why don't we have our worship team come at this time? But this is what, as our worship team is coming, I want you to close your eyes across this room right now. I want us to just quietly ask the Holy Spirit, even right now, I believe there'll be people that'll walk out of this room that the Holy Spirit's gonna speak to your heart tonight or today in this moment, and he's gonna share with you the person that he is preparing for you to speak to their heart, to open a conversation to begin to introduce them to Jesus.
So in this moment right now, in the quietness of your heart, I believe that God is speaking to you right now. And then from there, there, are, there will be some of you that will walk out of this room and say, I didn't hear anything, but pay attention because God may intersect your life this week with someone that you can tell them to come and see. So would you be so willing as to pray with me? God, we just come before you in this moment, Lord. Our hearts are quiet before you. God, we know that you speak to us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that in this moment that you would give us an individual that, Lord, you would want us to talk to about you, that you would want us to invite to introduce you to, that, God, we would have the opportunity to say, come and see. So, Lord, in this moment, I just pray that, God, across this auditorium this morning and every seat, every person, that, Holy Spirit, you would begin to speak to our hearts, that we would be ready and willing and receptive that, God, you would orchestrate in beautiful harmony the steps that we would take, the people that we would cross paths with, the words that we would speak, the actions that we would live. So, God, that our lives would be a testimony to your greatness, that, God, we would simply have the opportunity to introduce someone to you in a special and meaningful way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Pastor Chad. As Pastor and I both shared earlier, we're going to be receiving our special offering this morning for the parking lot. If we could have the gentleman who will be receiving this offering come forward now. We want to thank you uh, for your generous giving. This is, uh, this is something that... Uh, we are doing our very best to be uh, the church board and, and pastor and myself are trying to be as wise as we possibly can so that we can help uh, the church's future, not just uh, trying to do something nice for us now, but we want to set up our church for 10, 20, and 40 years down the road. And our goal is to do this um, with cash on hand. And so would you join me as we pray? We want to pray over this offering. And we want to ask that God uh, help us and provide for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your generousness. We thank you for your, uh, the way that you give us more than we could even uh, need. You provide exactly what is necessary. And so, God, this morning as we give uh, to something that may seem simple like a parking lot, God, we also know that by taking care of this now, um, we can give more towards missions next year. We can give more. Uh, we can help plant more churches in other countries. We can help more missionaries. And so, God, I ask for your help today, for your generosity, generosity Lord, as we give. Would you bless it? In your name we pray. Amen. As those offering baskets are going, to buy, going by, we're going to uh, uh, worship together. And so I encourage you, uh, as the basket goes by, you can stand your feet and join us as we sing.
it's all that can satisfy and we thank you for the challenge that you've given us today. I ask as we leave this place, Lord, would you keep us safe until we can get together again. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Have a great Sunday.